Greetings and welcome to the worship services of Alamo First Baptist Church. I'm Brother Chris Rigby. I'm standing here this morning in front of our bell. This is the original bell that was at our old location uh, years ago. It uh, was there when the church was first built and it was always a call to worship. Well, when we moved to our new campus here several years ago, we brought it with us. And not too long ago, we got to put it up. We're so excited about it because it reminds us that we're coming together into this building to worship. And we are excited that today you've decided to tune in to our broadcast to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our prayer this morning is that you will see the great love that Jesus has for you and the great love that we have for you as well this morning as we worship together. We look forward to meeting you and your family and we invite you to be a part of any of our worship services, our activities or ministries here and if you'd like to get in touch with us, probably the best way to do that is just drop us a line at our email address, alamofirstbaptist at gmail.com. All of it spelled out, just gmail.com, alamofirstbaptist. We look forward this morning to worshiping with you. We pray God's blessings upon you and your family as we go inside now and we worship together. Let's go ring that bell for Jesus.
It is a good to be with you this morning on this Lord's Day, and even more uh, precious this morning to begin our service uh, with that profession of faith in baptism. When we come to this time and this moment, you know, we think about what the Word of God tells us. We think about, for example, the baptism of Jesus. And when Jesus came down to the Jordan there to be baptized of John, as the example that uh, we would follow in that baptism and profession of faith and, and trust in what Jesus has done for us. The Father out of heaven said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And I believe on these occasions, all of heaven is witnessing and, and looking down. And I believe the Father says to all in heaven uh, to hear that this is my beloved child making this public that profession of faith in their heart and in them or in cash this morning, I am well pleased. We also think about uh, that moment when Philip uh, was traveling along the road and the Bible says there was an Ethiopian eunuch that was going along in the same direction and he was reading from uh, the scripture and couldn't make sense of some things that was said in Isaiah and and he asked Philip, you know, who's he talking about? What is this? And Philip just began to explain to this Ethiopian eunuch all the things that, that Jesus was and is uh, according to Scripture. And, and, and that witness, that Ethiopian eunuch, gave his heart to Christ. And the Scripture tells us there in Acts that he said, look, here's water. What keeps me from being baptized? And the Bible says they went down to the water and there Philip baptized that Ethiopian eunuch. And the Bible says that Philip was called away in the spirit, but the Ethiopian eunuch went on his way rejoicing. This is, I think, again, an example of today. Cash comes making public his profession of faith. It's really just the beginning of his journey of joy that now comes in living with and for our Lord and Savior. And finally, we think about what the Scripture tells us, uh, both in Matthew and in Mark, that Jesus said before he went away that we are to go forth into the entire world, uh, uh, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And here we are, 2,000 years after that great commission has been given, and we are doing that very thing that Christ has commanded us to do. How do we know that Jesus is alive? Well, in part because his church is very much alive and still carrying out the, the marching orders that were left behind till he comes again. So this morning we come to celebrate uh, with Cash and his family this public profession of his faith in the Lord Jesus. This week, Cash came by. He had told his mom and dad a couple of days earlier that he had prayed and prayed uh, and asked Jesus to come into his heart. And one of the things that uh, he had told them is he said, I don't want to be a twig. Now, if you were here a few weeks ago, we preached on Jesus uh, and our being uh, the branches and him being the vine and he connects us to the Father and you know, I said, if you're not a Christian, 
you're not a branch, you're a twig. You never know what sticks with someone that helps to, to kind of open up their heart and mind to the Lord Jesus. And I just want to say, Cash, this morning, brother, you're not a twig. You're a branch, a forever branch in the Lord Jesus Christ because you open your heart up and you ask Jesus to come in. Aaron Cash Buckingham, upon your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and for the remission of your sins, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Buried with Christ, risen in a newness of life. Would you pray with me? Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for this profession of faith that just opens up our worship service and reminds us that we truly do have reason to worship, praise, and glorify you, Jesus. You are the Lord, our God, who saves, who redeems. We rejoice with cash because he's not a twig any longer, but a branch, a living branch in your power and in your name. Lord, go with him as he goes forth. Help us as a church to be faithful to uh, undergird him and grow him in faith, to help him and his family as they just continue to seek to be obedient in their life to you. And we give you the glory, Jesus, for all these things. In your mighty name we pray. Amen.
we serve a risen Savior. We don't have to worry if he's, if he's there. We don't have to worry if he hears us. We just know because we have experienced that. And today... Thank you. 
weakest that God is at his strongest that he's always going to be there for us and uh, if you go back and you study Jewish heritage when they adopt somebody into their family they can never disown them and it's a picture of what God does for us when we ask God to forgive us of our sins to be our Lord and our Savior he accepts us and he will never disown us and that's that's the security that we have as Christians let's sing good good father together Yeah. 
Aren't you glad one day we're going to see him face to face that uh, the glory of Jesus will be revealed to everyone? Can't wait for that day.
God, we adore you this morning. We can, uh, how we long for that day that you will be revealed and every eye will see. Lord, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that you are Lord of Lord and King of Kings. We can't wait for that day, Lord. We thank you for what you've done in our lives and what you're continuing to do. Pray for Daniel as he brings a special this morning. And Lord, for Brother Chris as he brings a message after that. And again, we just want to tell you we love you. And we thank you for revealing yourself to us. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. just what it does that's just what it does as it takes the roads that I have chosen the promises I've broken and covers them with an all-consuming love and it takes the lies it once held me back reminding again that I'm not who I was that's just what grace does only it can take the years we thought we'd thrown away making something beautiful of all those wasted days walking testimony of God's glory on display that's just what it does that's just what it does as it takes the roads that I have chosen the promises I've broken and covers them with an all-consuming love with an all-consuming 
Amen. Amen. Don't you feel like you worship this morning? Oh, amen. You take your Bibles and open uh, this morning to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Our little guys can make their way to Children's Church. Oh, the only one you got is Carter, so you're going to keep him in here. There you go. There you go. Well, I wasn't going to preach, but since Carter's in here, I'm going to preach now. <laughs> what a day. What a day. Uh, be in prayer for Daniel uh, and first uh, Melissa's. Uh, they are uh, voting this morning and uh, praying uh, God to seek uh, the will uh, for their church and for Daniel's life and ministry. Uh, uh, we firmly believe that uh, it's going to be uh, a move together. Uh, but if that's not God's will, we pray God would reveal it. But we prayed for you last week, Daniel, uh, as we thought about you being over there. And uh, we love you, and we're proud of you. And uh, I want to tell you, I, I, you know, you are super talented. But I don't know if you are as talented, uh, well, as our pianist today. I don't know if y'all saw her. You were playing one-handed in raised uh, hand. I was impressed. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Give a, a hand to our musicians. <laughs> they do a good job. We've been in a series together on the heart of Jesus, and we've talked about understanding his heart and his love for us and how that ought to transform our life. We talked about Jesus' joy and how that's expressed. Last week, we talked about, out of Hebrews, Jesus and his sympathy for us and how he is a sympathetic Savior, uh, not just in the, in the sense that he just cares for us in general, but he has that real uh, empathy in which he left heaven and came here on earth and went through everything that you and I experience uh, in life and in all ways was tempted like us, not specifically in the temptation, but in the major parts of temptation, uh, be it uh, the lust of the eyes, uh, the, the flesh, uh, or the pride of life, as the Bible tells us, Jesus was tempted in all those ways. So he understands our struggles. And, and today I want us to think about the heart of Jesus and to say that we enjoy his intercession. And this is really connected to last week's message. It, it's just a further extension of his sympathy. Listen to what the writer there in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 says. Consequently, and that's, a connecting word, basically everything that he had been writing in this book before this particular passage, uh, he is saying, now because of all those things being true, so consequently, he, that is Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to uh, God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. 
A father was watching his son trying to lift a heavy stone, and with each attempt, the son failed. After some time, his father came by and asked, Well, are you using all of your strength? To which the boy cried, Yes, Daddy, I am. And the father looked at him and said, Well, I would argue with you, son. I don't think that you are. And the little boy said, Well, what do you mean I'm not using all my strength? And the father said, Well, I'm standing here, aren't I? When are you going to ask me to help? Your life like that, do it on your own, trust in your own strength. You, you see, the truth is, we said this last week, we all need a little help as we pass through this world. And we found encouragement there in Hebrews 4 last week that Jesus is our sympathetic Savior. He has come to truly get messy with our lives, to get involved in our life together, and to give us the help that we need. We all come across rocks sometime in life that just won't budge no matter how hard we try it, and we need a helping hand, and not just a human hand of help, but we need the divine hand of God. We each need strength from time to time to make it through this life, to encourage us and to support us when we are weak and weary. I think one of the most neglected doctrines in the church today as we think about the heart of Jesus, is this doctrine that we're going to look at this morning, the intercessory heart of Jesus. Hebrews 7 verse 25 tells us that Jesus ever lives to make intercession. It is a way of saying this is his purpose in existence right now. It is his reason for breathing and his heart beating right now to make intercession for you and for me. When we talk about Christ's intercession, what are we talking about? We're talking specifically about what Jesus is doing right now. I think most of our focus usually is on what we call the back then. That is, we talk about Jesus and we go, what, back to Calvary. And and there's nothing wrong with going back to Calvary. And I think we ought to go to Calvary. We ought to always lift up the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is Calvary that brings our salvation. It is Calvary in which uh, brings us into a relationship with God. But there's more to it. Then our other focus tends to be what? On the one day. Well, when Christ comes back, when heaven uh, and the will of heaven is done here on earth and there's a new heaven and a new earth and all the old things have passed away uh, we, we focus a lot on the one day so it's the back then and one day, one day but what about the right now how much thought do we give to the right now as it relates to Jesus when we get to Hebrews 7 verse 25 we get a glimpse of what I want to call the functional Jesus that is, the Jesus that's being lived out right now. Not only do we need to study this subject this morning because of the neglect of the topic, but because it is another window into the heart of our Lord and Savior. My prayer, in part, as we think about this series, is that we come away with a deeper, clearer, and better picture of our Savior and who He is. Not just back then and not just in the one day, but who He is to us and should be to us in the right now. In the functional way that we interact with him and he interacts with us and we 
as we were talking earlier, we're that, we're that branch and he's that vine and we abide in him and he in us as he abides in the Father and the Father in him. I want, to see, I want you to see three blessings of what I want to call the intercessory ministry of our Lord uh, this morning. So here's the first one, first blessing. Jesus is cleanly aware of our life. Listen to Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through verse 30. And Jesus is talking to the disciples there. And here's what he says. Now, guys, I, I tell you, I don't want you to be anxious about your life. What you eat, nor about your body, what you'll put on. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing, Jesus said. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They neither store nor in the house uh, or barns, yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than they, he says. And which of you, by being anxious, can add one single hour to his span in life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, then why are you, he says, anxious about the rest? And then Jesus says, let me give you another picture. Consider the lilies and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into oven, how much more will he clothe you? And then Jesus says to the disciples, O you of little faith. And do not seek what you are to eat or what you're to drink or be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things and your father knows that you need them. You know, when you go through that passage there, we read it and we often think about it. Jesus is talking about worry and anxiousness and anxiety in our life, how we're to have peace and trust in him. But one of the things that we ought to gain as we read through that and we think about it is that Jesus is telling us that the Father, as well as himself, has an eye on us. Let me just say to you this morning, you are the focus of the eye of Jesus. He's looking at you right now. Now, I know that that can be a blessing and that can be an embarrassment depending on where we're at, what we're doing, and how we're acting and behaving. It can be a good thing or it may be a, a negative thing. But the truth is that Jesus is always looking at us. We have his attention. Jesus is like a full-time alarm system watching over your life. He is always on focus with you. Uh, I was thinking about it this way. How do you know if something is of real value? Um, I mean, something is, you know, valued highly. Well, think about it this way. If something is valued highly, then what? It's pretty well watched, isn't it? I mean, think about it. Think about some of the great paintings in this world that are in museums. Priceless paintings, whether what? They're surrounded by security guards, alarm systems, cameras. They've got all of this electronic and, and human protection set up around them to 
watch over because they're of such great value. I mean, think about your children for a moment. I mean, your kids are a great value. And, and we as parents and, and even grandparents do the best that we can to keep an eye on our children and our grandchildren, don't we? You know, we, we, you know, if they're young, we make sure that they've always got an adult with them. You know, we don't just send them out in the front yard at two years of age to play because they what, might get in the street. And we're like, no, no, no. You can't go out without mom or dad. You can't go out with some, without someone being there. You know, if you've got a pool in the backyard, you don't send out a young child, well, just go do what you want to do. You go, no, 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 you can't go out unless we're out there, lest you fall in the pool. Those things that are of real value are watched closely. And dear friend, I want to tell you, there is nothing watched more closely than your life. How great of value are you? You are of such value that God, listen, spare not his own son, but gave his life, his blood, his body, that you might have eternal life. So I want to tell you this morning, Jesus is keenly aware over your life, of our life. A second blessing of the intercessory uh, prayer ministry of Jesus is this. Jesus is kindly affectionate to our life. I'm going to make a key statement here. I want you to listen. Jesus is a steady reality of grace flowing through our time in life. Say that again. Jesus is a steady reality of grace flowing through our time of life. You know, when Jesus was here and on earth, there was a, a time where he came uh, to the wells and, and he cried aloud, I am the water of life. Those who thirst, come drink of me. Out of me, I'll give you living water. Jesus is that reality lived out. He is the living water of heaven given to us throughout our time of life. Who did Jesus love more, do you think? Those disciples of old or you or us? The truth is, he loves us just as much as he loved Matthew, Mark, Luke, James, John, the, the whole crew that we read about in the Bible. He loves us just as much. You know, the heart of Jesus has not cooled off over time. Our human heart tends to do that, doesn't it? I mean, if, you know, if we're away from somebody for a while, the old saying is, you know, absent makes the heart grow fonder. But if you are away from each other for a significant period of time, you begin to kind of cool off a little bit in that, you know, thinking and thought and affection. The heart of Jesus, that divine heart, never beats less for us than it did for those earlier believers. The heart of Jesus didn't have some great burst of mercy when he was here that drove him to the cross and now somehow is lessened for us. He loves us just as much as he's ever loved anyone. Listen, the present manifestation of his heart is a constant interceding on our behalf. What's intercession? We know what it is. It's basically a third party that comes between two others. And they make a case on behalf of one to 
the other. We all know examples of what an intercessor is. We, we see it played out every day in our life. For example, uh, you know, there's a parent and teacher uh, relationship for a child. Uh, a teacher can be an intercessor uh, for that child to the parent. A parent can be an intercessor uh, for that child to the teacher. Sometimes a child can be an intercession, uh, intercessor for the uh, teacher or parent, depending on the dynamic of what's going on. But it's a third party that plays a role between the other two. Uh, perhaps maybe the, the, the most common is a lawyer and a judge. You have uh, a lawyer that makes a case on behalf of uh, a, a plaintiff, a uh, defendant, uh, before the court. That's an intercessor. Uh, we see it in the sports realm. There's a sports agent that represents a player who uh, maybe needs a contract uh, with a uh, team owner or, 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 or a, a, an owner of a, a team in some league. And, and we see that kind of stuff played out. We know what an intercessor is. So when we think about Jesus, what does that mean? Well, the intercession of Jesus is that third party that, that, that makes the appeal that we need to God the Father. The intercession to Jesus applies what he accomplished in his atonement. You see, Christ's present heavenly intercession on our behalf is a reflection of the fullness of the victory and the completeness of his earthly ministry. What Christ did on earth, what Christ finished here upon earth, he is still doing for us in heaven. When Jesus left earth, he did not leave anything undone as far as our salvation. His atonement, that sacrificial death upon the cross, has accomplished our salvation for all time, past, present, and future. However, right now, at this moment, Jesus is interceding on our behalf. That's the moment-by-moment -moment application of his atoning work. Listen to what Romans chapter 8, verses 33 and 34 has to say. And listen to what the writer says to those Christians there in Rome. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. It is uh, him who is to condemn. Uh, Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed, he says, is interce uh, interceding for us. In this verse, justification is tied to intercession. You know what justification is. It is that declaration by God that you and I have been justified. Someone said it a long time ago, and I think it's good. Justification is God declaring you just as if we've never sinned. Not you've sinned and you've been forgiven. You were once dirty and God cleaned you up. Listen, how complete was the atoning work of Christ on Calvary's cross? Dear friend, he erased the sin in your life to the point as though you had never sinned. You never told that lie. You never spoken that gossip. You never did that hated thing. You never did that ugly thing. In the eyes of God, when you've been clean and washed by the atoning blood of Jesus, you've never done a dirty thing. Just as if you've never sinned. Not only in your past, but in your present. And even in your future. 
But listen, this is where this verse ties the justification to intercession. The cross of Jesus brought us the atoning work that our sins can be forgiven through the blood of Christ. The atoning brings us justification and we've been declared not guilty by God. The justification that we enjoy is now worked out in the daily ministry of the intercession of Jesus. I was thinking, how can I explain that? How can I illustrate that? Had a lot of computer problems this week, a lot of computer problems this week. You know, I think one of the most frustrating things, uh, you know, you can have is you're on the computer and it just, it's not working right. And, and perhaps there have been times where you've been on the computer on one of your web browsers and your page won't load right. It just gets all messed up. Somewhere out there in Cyberville or on your computer, it just gets all, you know, whack, wacky, you know. Doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Now, when that happens, what do you do? Typically, what's the first thing you do? You hit the refresh button or reset button. The intercessory prayer of Jesus, dear friend, is the reset button on our life. You go out of here today, you're charged up. The special music was awesome. Uh, the, the praise music was awesome. The baptism was awesome. The sermon was pretty good. You go out of here, you're charged up. You're going to live for Jesus 150%. But about 3 o'clock this afternoon, somebody cuts you off at the grocery store or maybe they give you a, a hamburger and it's got a hot dog on it and not a, a, a hamburger and and, and you lose it. You, you do it. You say something or you mutter something or you get angry and then you, you've blown it. You've messed up. Do you know, dear friend, in that moment, even in that small, ridiculous moment of being human and failing, Jesus is praying for you. In that moment, when in truth the holy God of heaven ought to just strike you down, strike me down from heaven with a, with a thunderbolt of holy lightning, Jesus is there saying, Daddy, that's your child. And they've been washed by my blood. And they're better than that. Their heart's purer than that. My heart's in them. I live in them. And in that moment, your life is refreshed by the, by the intercession of Christ before the Father. Even before later on, you pray. Even before later on, when you get convicted. Even before later on, when you say, God, I'm sorry, I was over there, I got angry, I lost my temper, I shouldn't have said that, shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have acted that way. Intercession has already been made on your behalf. That's the right now of what Jesus is doing. When you think about this moment-by-moment moment promise of intercession, we see something. Jesus is deeply personal in his care for us. He's deeply personal in our rescue. He didn't just come to, you know, hey, be the general savior of this world. No, he came to get messy, not just with the world, but with our failures. And Jesus didn't go through the cross in just one horrible moment. Jesus gets his hands messy every day with our sins, our failures, our shortcomings. The same heart that carried our Lord through life 
down the road to Calvary is the heart that continues to live in heaven today. And it's manifest, it's shown every day in the daily needs that we have that he asked the Father to give us. He intercedes for us. Every time you go to Jesus in prayer, he truly cares about you. The welcome mat is always out at the door of heaven. The Father is always there with welcoming, opening arms because Jesus is there hitting the refresh button on our life. His heart is for us. His life is for us. You, when you get to heaven, there's no reluctant ear of the Father. Oh, you again. No roll of the eyes. What do you want now? There's none of that. There is but joy in the Father because there's joy in Jesus under the Father. And Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, went to the cross that we might have life not only eternally but abundantly, that we might come to the throne of grace not sheepishly, are shamefully but confidently and boldly today is a special day in my family today's my dad's birthday if he were alive his earthly birthday he would have been 77 today lost him 11 years ago but i was thinking about something about jesus and then i thought about my dad as i was thinking a way of illustrating for you when I was uh, set to graduate from high school, uh, my dad was involved in a very serious accident on the interstate. He rear-ended a car, uh, pretty much came over the hill, and the car was dead stopped in the lane. They had broken down, and he didn't have time to really do much of anything but throw on the brakes. Uh, he didn't have on a seat belt. It was back in the day where they didn't you know, require a seat belt. And, He's a big, strong guy, didn't think he needed it. And luckily, he was a big, strong guy. That's pretty much all that kept him from going through the window. He hit the window. He has, there was a face impression in the window. And the steering column was bent. I remember seeing that. The front end of the car was just torn all to pieces. Got the word. My dad had been in an accident, didn't know anything. I was working at First Baptist at Jackson, the Friends at First program. Uh, our director grabbed me and said, Chris, we've got to go to the hospital. Your dad's been in an accident. Prayerfully, luckily, happily, I got there, and he was okay. He was bruised up, some bruised ribs, a uh, couple of maybe cracked ribs. His face looked like he'd gone, you know, at least five rounds with Mike Tyson back in the big day that, that Tyson was fighting. He was, he, was a, he was a sore sight. But I'm set to graduate. Families coming in, grandparents, uncles and aunts. I didn't really expect my dad to be at my graduation. I didn't expect him to be there. I mean, he didn't feel good, didn't look good, and we had company coming. I had gone on out to the high school and, uh, you know, got my gown on, my cap on. Of course, I was one of those students, I was a thank you, Lordy. I was going to get something that night. I was going to get my diploma. And as I was coming onto the field with my class, walking in, there was my dad. His bandaged hand and his camera waving. Hey, son. My folks were always there. 
My mom and my dad were always there supporting me, pouring out their life on my behalf. Dear friend, that's God for you. He's always there pouring out his life for you. He is the good, good, good Heavenly Father. He is the good Savior. Jesus is the connecting line between us and the Father. He is kindly affectionate to our lives. And finally, Jesus is kingly able to keep our life. Hebrews 7.25 tells us that he saves us to the uttermost. That phrase, to the uttermost, is a, a interesting. It's, a, it's really just one word in the Greek, pantalus. It means complete, comprehensive, exhausted, not lacking. The only time else it's used in the Bible, in the New Testament, Luke 13, verse 11, describes a woman who cannot stand up straight, pantalus, all the way. She's been disabled for some 18 years. What does it say to us? Well, I don't know about you, but... I don't need anybody to tell me that I'm a sinner. I, I know my sins. I know my faults. I know my failures. I know this, that I am a sinner to the uttermost. That no matter how hard I want to, no matter how bad I want to live perfect and live holy, that the truth is I'm, I'm going to mess up. There's still that humanity that's in me, that old nature. Even though I've been given a new nature, I know that there are going to be times where I I sin. I'm a sinner to the uttermost. And this is what I know. I need a Savior who is a Savior to the uttermost. I'm aware of my wickedness. I'm aware my heart goes astray. I know how easily sin just can stumble me. But Jesus is able to save to the uttermost. Notice what he says here in verse 25. Notice what he doesn't say. Jesus is able to save for the most part. It doesn't say that, does it? Jesus can save on most occasions. It doesn't say that. Jesus can save, well, most everybody. But there's some he can't. It doesn't say that. No, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through no contribution of ourselves. We all tend to think we have some pocket in our life that it's just too difficult for God to forgive. We all think about some sin. We think that's, it's, it's one of those problem things. I know God can't have success in that. And we have this idea that salvation is Christ plus at least some effort on my part. I, I've got to give some effort. I've got to give some try. Because there's some places, let's, let's admit it, we don't even want to go. There's some places in our sin and, and there's some closets in our life we don't even want to open. So we think, well, there's no way Jesus can go there. There's no way that Jesus can open that closet. But dear friend, Jesus not only goes there, he willingly goes to the secret places of our life, to the darkest corners of our life, to the dirtiest places of our life. And it's there that his heart is most drawn to and it is there that he makes intercession for you and I. What a Savior. Our salvation is pantalous, to the uttermost, complete, without lacking. Our present in, presence in God's favor and our position in his family will never sputter. 
It will never grow cold. It will never die out. Listen, the moment in which you're tempted, Christ is praying for you. The moment when you fail, Christ is praying for you. The moment that you are forgiven and, and you are restored in that right relationship, Christ is there praying for you. Every moment of every day, every second, Christ is praying for you. At this very moment, how you hear this sermon, the words that are being spoken, Christ is praying for you, for your heart, for your mind, for your thoughts, for your attention. You and I may neglect our life from time to time. Trust me, I've neglected mine. I found out yesterday. Pam and I, it was raining. We wanted to work out or kind of do a little something. Now my knee's a little better. I said, well, let's just go up to the church. We've got those tapes. Insanity. Pam did insanity. I did a little nuts. I can't move hardly. Don't ask me to tie a shoe. I wore shoes without you know, strings. I stretch places that don't need to be stretched anymore. I've neglected my body. I got tickled. She was over there jumping up and down. She's like, this is wearing me out. I'm thinking, I'm just getting tired watching you. You're wearing me out. I, guy said, let's do this. Uh, let's do these mummy kicks. I just wanted to be wrapped up, put in a coffin <laughs> by that point. I neglect my life. I neglect my health. I neglect my spiritual walk. But let me tell you something. Jesus never neglects me. And he never neglects you. You may not do what you need to do for you, but Jesus will always do for you what you need him to do. He doesn't fall down on the job. He doesn't go to sleep. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't get fed up. He doesn't get frustrated with you. He is the energizer bunny before God. Beating the drum with your name on it. You're my child. I love you. And you are mine. Now and forever and always. That's what he's doing right now. The question really isn't though what is Christ doing right now. The question is what are we doing right now. You're still trying to make it to heaven on your own? You can't get there, friend. They don't make a spiritual ticket with your name on it that gets you to heaven by your own strength, your own power, and your own goodness. It just doesn't work. There's no planes leaving for heaven with that ticket. There's one way and one way only, and that's through Christ and Christ alone. No one comes to the Father except through Christ. And the good news is, He's already come and He's already died. He's already done the atoning work for your salvation. All you have to do is like Cash did this week and ask Jesus to come be your Savior, to live in your heart. So Cash, I said, when you get a little older, you're going to wonder, did I really pray that prayer? Did I really do that? And I said, here's something I always tell my my young Christians to do, I, I say, take the Bible, hold it in your hand. Does it feel real? Can you feel the weight of that? And he went, yes. Open it up. Did you open it up? Who opened it up? I did. Did you open your heart to Christ? Yes. Well, that's all he asked. Because God has promised when you open your heart to him, 
He comes in and he will never leave you. And what you feel in the weight of that Bible is the same thing you feel on the inside, the weight of Jesus having saved you. So when you begin to doubt, just pick up your Bible and say, it's real. Jesus is just as real as this Bible in my hands because I did what he asked me to do. What a Savior. What a Savior. But where are you right now? Maybe you're a Christian and, and, and you're saying, but I've been living in failure. You're not living in failure because God wants you to live in failure, and you're not living in failure because God's not doing his part. You know why you're living in failure? Because you don't trust him. Did you catch that? You don't trust God. I'm not saying that you don't live up to the word of God. I'm not saying you don't keep the commandments. I'm not saying you don't go to church three times a week. I'm not saying you don't tithe as you should. I'm saying you don't trust God. One of the ways that I know I haven't trusted God is when I don't live up to his word, I don't do the things God would expect me to do or give or do the things God would ask of me as his child to do. But the problem, the root of the problem is faith, trust in God. If you're failing in your life and you've been saved, it's not because of God, it's because of you. But good news, God hasn't quit on you. God hasn't thrown the towel in and said, well, that's it. He couldn't go or she couldn't go nine rounds. We're just going to go three. Jesus is still there. He's kind of, he's kind of you remember the Rocky movie? Who, what was the old coach, uh, Rocky's coach? What was his name? Anybody remember? Just the old guy? I always loved him. You can do it, Rocky. Jesus is over there in your corner. You can do it. I'm still praying for you. Me and God's up here. We're praying for you. Don't quit. Don't quit. Trust me. That's the Savior. Oh, what a Savior we have. He's not so fixated on the sun, moon, and stars and what's happening, you know, on the other side of the universe today that he has forgotten you. He loves you. And he invites you this morning to come to him. If you're not saved, to come to him and give your heart to him. If you are saved and you've been living apart from him, he says, come back to me. I'm still here. Abide in me and I in you. Heavenly Father, this morning, whatever decision might need to be made, now is the moment. Oh, we know what you're doing, Christ. Right at this moment, you are interceding on our behalf. Whatever failure, whatever weakness, whatever shortcoming, we don't need to be reminded of it. We know ourselves, but whatever it is, you're talking to the Father about that, about our life. Not about who the sitting next to us or sitting three rows behind us or in front of us, what someone else needs to do. You're talking to the Father about our life, where we are. And at this moment, Jesus, we, we've stopped the world and we've started looking at ourselves and we're asking, where are we in abiding with you? Lord, perhaps there's someone here today that's a twig. They're not a branch, they're a twig. And like Cash said in his testimony, I don't want to be a twig, I want to be a branch. A living branch in the vine, in the garden of God. And today they're going to come and give their heart to you. Lord, maybe today there's a Christian 
and in their life, they're, they're a branch, but they're a branch that needs to be pruned by your divine hand of love and mercy and grace. Needs to be cleaned up and cared for. And they want to come back to the throne of grace this morning and just say, God, I give you my heart, my life anew. And I ask, oh God, this morning to cleanse me and make me whole. Whatever sin, whatever issue, whatever it is, Lord, today the throne of grace is open. And we can meet you there. Help us, Jesus, to be obedient. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and sing. If the Lord's spoken, you come. We pray God's blessings upon you as you worship with us today. If God has led you to make a decision today for Jesus, we would love to hear about it. We invite you to come to our website, cometothecross.net. Our online decision card will allow you to tell us about the decision that you're making. All decisions, all contacts are kept private and are confidential. However, we would be able to pray for you and perhaps I'd even be able to call you and pray with you about what God has led you to do if you so desire. So fill out the form, let us know, and just know that we love you and God loves you. And we're excited that you're taking this first step for God today.